Thank you for tuning in to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. You're about to hear a live sermon, which was recorded at our 11 a.m. contemporary service. We are thrilled to share it with you. Thank you for listening. So today we continue in our generosity-themed sermon series looking at the Good Samaritan. And we're focusing in on the theme of flourishing. What does it mean for us to flourish as individuals? What does it mean for our congregation and community to flourish, those inside and outside the church walls? And we've been looking through this prism, this great story of the Good Samaritan, and then thinking about head, heart, and hands. And Lindsay just gave a fantastic sermon last Sunday. Um, if you didn't get a chance to hear it or see it, you can watch it on the church website or go to the podcast and listen to it. It was really tremendous. At the 945 service, we had the, the joy of baptizing our son, Major, and it was just such a fun time. My parents and a bunch of family came out from out west, and it was just so fun to show uh, the church off to them and just all the great ministries and people that are here. It was really, real uh, joyful time for us. And they must have liked it, too. Because they went to three services. And I was like, all right, that's where I come from, I guess, because I do four. So um, it was really fun, though. So we continue uh, to talk about generosity. We're asking in October to, to make a commitment, a financial commitment to give in 2020. This allows the elders and leadership of the church to kind of predict how many, what the resources we're going to have available to do the ministry that Christ is calling us to do. So we invite you to make a commitment to a general ministry budget and then also to our mission uh, giving. And the, all that mission money goes directly out the door to our mission partners and uh, enables all this great ministry that we want to be a part of. But for now, let us look at this great passage of the Good Samaritan. It comes from Luke 10, verses 25 through 37. And... You know, since we're looking at it each week, we thought we would try some different ways to read it. So we have a responsive reading that you're going to share with me in looking at today. Listen for the word of the Lord. The law has instructed that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, where he was attacked by robbers. They beat him, stripped him, and left him half dead. A priest was going down the road and saw him. He passed by on the other side. A Levite came to the place and saw him. He too passed by on the other side. A Samaritan saw him and was moved with pity. He bandaged his wounds, put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Showing compassion, the Samaritan took care of him with a merciful heart. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, I thank you so much for this great passage from Holy Scripture. Although it may be familiar to some of us, we pray that you might disrupt our assumptions about what it might mean, and that you might teach us how we can love with our whole hearts. Lord, may you speak a word to our hearts as only you, by your Spirit, can speak. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is one of the great conversations of the Bible. A lawyer comes to a religious teacher and asks him a question. 
the religious teacher hears the question and asks the question back. Then the lawyer, not satisfied, asks another question. And then Jesus tells this great short story, this great parable, one of the most famous short stories that has ever been told. What a wonderful story. And as I was thinking about this great conversation between the lawyer and Jesus, you know, and since we're spending four Sundays on it, I was kind of letting my mind wander. And I was thinking to myself, what if, what if G- Jesus wasn't there and, and this lawyer started up a conversation with a, with a different JC? Not Jesus Christ, but Johnny Cash. And I can just imagine this, this lawyer coming up to Johnny, Johnny, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Johnny says, well, Mr. Lawyer, I have a song for you. And he walks over, he picks up his guitar, and he begins to gently strum. And he says, this song is called No Earthly Good. And then he sings the first verse, and the first verse goes like this. Come hear me, good brothers, come hear one and all. Don't brag about standing or you'll surely fall. You're shining your light, shine it you should, but you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. You're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Mr. Lawyer, you're asking about inheriting eternal life and that's all fine, but what you should really be paying attention to is about this life. Don't be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. And the question to the lawyer and the question for each of us is how do we take what is in our heads and let it throw, flow out into our hands in ministry? How do we not be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good? Now when we were lining up preachers for this series, I knew I was not the expert for this Sunday. You know, I should have been preaching last Sunday. What does it mean to to love with your mind? Could have talked about reading books, having an intellectually credible faith, what that looks like. That, That is in my wheelhouse. Lindsay Slocum should have been preaching today. You know, I don't I don't know if you've ever watched when Lindsay preaches, but you know, in the other services, I sit up on the chancel of the stage, and so I can look out at the congregation and I'll listen to Lindsay preach, and I always guess what the over-under is on how many people are gonna start crying during her sermons. It's amazing, I mean, tears are flowing like waterfalls, and I'm going, how does she do this? And I've asked her, I said, I've sat at her feet, said, Lindsay, please share me the secret. Tell me how you do it, how do you make them cry? She says, I'm not telling you. And so I'm stuck. And so we thought we'd raise the level of difficulty by switching us and making her preach last Sunday and me preach this Sunday. But ask this question, what does it mean to feel with our hearts? The heart is what connects us, what we think about, to what we live out. The heart is the connection between our heads and our hands. The heart is at the center of what it means to live the Christian life and follow Jesus Christ to have our hearts transformed and changed. This is a difficult thing for me. I'll just be honest with you. I mean, in fact, when I was in high school, I remember um, somebody who who knows me really, really well. She said, Jeff, 
you're the most insensitive person I've ever met. And I thought it was a compliment. If you ever see me demonstrate any compassion, any pity, you are seeing evidence of God's work in my life for 41 years. That God has transformed me. Trying to help me be a little more sensitive in the world. And Jesus tries to talk to this young lawyer and change his heart. He's trying to help him feel and not be so heavenly minded that he's no earthly good. Notice how the conversation between the young lawyer and Jesus goes. The lawyer asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what's in your law? What does it say? And then the lawyer offers the the standard intellectual answer to this question. He quotes from the Bible. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He gives this intellectual answer, and Jesus says, you've given the right answer. Do this, and you will live. But then the lawyer asks a follow-up question. He says, who is my neighbor? Ah, see, the the lawyer is still in that realm between his ears. And he needs to experience a change of heart. And so Jesus goes on to tell one of the great short stories ever told, the parable of the Good Samaritan. See, with this story, he's trying to help the lawyer get out his head out of heaven and come back to earth and transform his heart. See, when he does this, when we figure out who our neighbors are, we find out that our neighbor isn't just our people, but it's sometimes they are those people. Now, to understand the point that Jesus is making here, we have to understand the context in the first century in which he tells the parable. The word parable, really the combination of two Greek words, para, which means uh, alongside. This is where we get the word parallel or paradox. And balo, which means to throw. Parable, it means to throw alongside. It's a story you throw alongside that is meant to disrupt to shed light on your life. It's meant to provoke or even confront. When you hear a parable, you're you're not supposed to be the same person after it. It's supposed to change you in some fundamental way to lead to transformation. And Jesus is trying to disrupt this young lawyer's understanding of the world. Amy Jill Levine is a scholar at Vanderbilt. She's a Jewish scholar, and she focuses in on Jesus's ministry and kind of Jesus' Jewishness and it really accents and says, how can, accents that shape of his life and says, how can we more understand it? And she says, anybody that would have heard Jesus tell this parable, any Israelite or Jew or even in synagogues today, would have understood this as the rule of three. You have the priest and the Levite in this story. Priests and Levites are professional religious people. And she says that anybody that heard this story and heard about the priest and the Levite not showing compassion to the wounded man in the ditch but crossing to the other side would have assumed that the third figure in the story was an Israelite. It would have been a priest, a Levite, and an Israelite. Not the case, though. Jesus uses the third character in the story to be a Samaritan. The Samaritan is a hero in the story, and this would have just shocked his hearers. What are you talking about? A Samaritan is the hero in this story. 
You have to understand where Samaritans come from. If you go back to your Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the kingdom was separated really into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom is where eventually the Samaritans would come from. They chose their holy mountain, their holy city to be Samaria, which was in the north. The southern kingdom, where the Israelites lived, they worshipped in their holy city of Jerusalem. And if you go and read in 2 Chronicles 28, you'll read a story where those folks from the north come down and cause devastation, raping and pillaging the, the southerners. And then they leave. And over the years, as they tell these stories of this great violence, this great devastation that was brought upon them, great animosity develops between the south and the north. This is the same kind of animosity that people probably felt in, uh, in the Confederate States after the Civil War or, or Germans felt after World War I. Great anger, great animosity that the Israelites feel towards the Samaritans, and yet Jesus tells a parable where the Samaritan is the hero. Why? I think Jesus is more concerned about the question of what than of who. You see, the lawyer asks, who is my neighbor? And another way you can ask that question is, who is not my neighbor? Who do I not have to love? Who do I not have to care for? Who am I off the hook for? And Jesus says that is the wrong question to be asking. You need to be asking, what should I do for my neighbor? What should I do? What he needs is a change of heart. Probably the, the best explanation for why the priest and the Levite don't help the man comes from a sermon Martin Luther King Jr gave. He gave it toward the end of his life. He was being asked to go to Memphis to advocate for sanitation workers. And one Sunday, he turned to the story of the Good Samaritan as his text, and he preached from it in light of what he was being called to do. And as King reflects on why the priest and the Levite crossed to the other side of the road and refused to help the wounded man, he says, I'm going to tell you what my imagination tells me. It's possible these men were afraid. King goes on. And so the first question that the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? This man has just been brutally beaten. Robbers could be around the corner. Bandits are in the area. We're scared. Let's hurry up and get out of here. But then King says, the Samaritan came by and he reversed the question and asked, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? Now at this time, King was planning to go to Memphis and his friends really didn't want him to go. They thought it was too dangerous. They didn't want him to go and advocate for the sanitation workers. And King, in his sermon, he turns to them and he says, if I do not stop to help the sanitation workers, what will happen to them? And that decision would have a, a very practical impact as he went to Memphis and there he was assassinated. Who is my neighbor? Being a neighbor is risky business. There are robbers, there are bandits on the road. What are we called to do for our neighbor? You see, 
The priest and the Levite, they cross to the other side in King's interpretation because they are afraid. But the Samaritan comes walking by. And what happens to the Samaritan? The story says he was moved with pity. He was moved with compassion. This word for pity is splanknon in Greek. It refers to basically the internal organs to the human being, your heart, your lungs, even your bowels. And it's used oftentimes in the New Testament with a figurative meaning. It refers to the emotions. And so oftentimes it's like in English when we say, bless your heart, or his heart just wasn't in it, or my heart goes out to you. We're not talking about the literal beating heart in your chest. No, we're talking about something core to you. And this Samaritan, Jesus says, was moved to the core of his being. It was a visceral reaction. His heart went out to this man lying half naked in the ditch. His heart went out to him and he was led to help him. His heart was moved with compassion. What does it mean to be a person who is moved with compassion? Whose heart goes out to those in need? What does it mean to feel pity? See, I am, I'm honest with you, I'm often stuck in the realm of the brain, the mind, the head. Oh, I'll read another book about that. Let me think about that some more. Rarely do I ask myself, Jeff, how do you feel about your neighbor? Are you compassionate enough? Jeff, sometimes you're, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. And someone once quoted to me, the Irish poet William Butler Yeats, who said, it takes more courage to examine the dark corners of your soul than for a soldier to, to fight on a battlefield. And I realized that I was caught too much in my mind, in my head. So I, about 13 years ago, entered therapy. Because I knew that if I was insensitive, if my heart could not be moved, if I could not feel compassion, if I could not feel pity for others, I was not going to be a good friend, a good partner, and probably not a good person. And so I remember one day I was meeting with the therapist, and I talked about my past, where I came from, what had happened to me, my family, my friends. And in one session, the therapist stops me and he says, he says, Jeff, oftentimes when you say think, I think you mean feel. And I said, I've, I've got to think about that. <laughs> what he was getting at is, I was very good with the language of the intellect, but not very good talking about my feelings. I needed to have a heart change. I needed to be moved to my heart. Not long after that, I was listening to the former president of Columbia Theological Seminary preach, Steve Hayner. And he recommended praying this one prayer. It's one line. But it can make a huge difference in your life. He said, pray this. God, will you break my heart with what breaks your heart? Will you break my heart with what breaks your heart? That prayer will lead to transformation. You cannot help but start feeling compassion when you're starting to look around and say, how does God feel about things? When you start reading stories like the Good Samaritan, when you read about the life of Jesus, break my heart with what breaks your heart. 
At Roswell Presbyterian Church, we are a place, a family of faith united in Jesus Christ to love with head, heart, and hands, to bring people together to help them transform and let God transform their hearts. That's our calling. You know, students are going to go off to school and they're going to learn arithmetic. They're going to learn language skills. They're going to memorize the periodic table and learn how to conduct experiments. But who is going to show them how to feel compassion? You know, adults are going to be able to tell you all the latest plot points of Law and Order SVU, what happened to the White Walkers in Game of Thrones, about the dark humor of succession. But who's going to show us how to feel pity for those in need? We've got sports fans who are going to go tailgate and wave foam fingers in the stands. But who's going to teach us how to love our enemies and love our neighbors as ourselves? Johnny Cash closes his song with these words. If you're holding heaven, then spread it around. There are hungry hands reaching up here from the ground. Move over and share the high ground where you stood. So heavenly-minded, you're no earthly good. Are we going to have the strength to love, not to retreat in fear like the priest and the Levite crossing to the other side of the road, but to have courage to show compassion and to help those in need, to have hearts that feel as God feels? Will we be willing to do earthly good? Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the good news of the Good Samaritan, that you have loved us. Lord, And we pray that we might have hearts that are transformed to the shape of your heart, that we might feel as you feel, that we might show compassion and pity for those who are in need around us. Lord, help this to be a family of faith united in you, and that we might love with our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. If you'd like more info about Roswell Presbyterian Church, check out our website at roswellpres.org.